Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Another edition of the Talking Mets Podcast here on this Thursday, October the 19th, 2017, of course. I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check out the show all the time at MetsMarizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And uh, you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcast service you uh, desire. I hope everybody's doing well. Don't know when you're listening to this or... Where, uh, where you're listening to this, but uh, not the usual uh, Sunday production that I put together. And uh, like I had said, uh, and really since uh, the, the Mets season pretty much went into uh, garbage time, and now it's the off season for the Mets, and, and we're still in the midst of the playoffs, it looks like it could be a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. Uh, Yankees need one more. Both teams need one more win after, uh, after their respective games. Uh, Dodgers up 3-1, Yankees up 3-2. Not that you care about that because you want to talk Mets baseball. And uh, quite a bit has happened since the last time we got together. And I was planning on doing a, a program on Sunday. And I wanted to center it on Brad Ausmus because he was a rumored candidate. And, and, and one of the candidates that, if he were uh, seriously being considered, had more of the managerial experience than anybody else. Or, you know, Robin Ventura, of course. But... 
Ausmus has been, uh, you know, with a team that has played at a high level at times, and and it was an interesting and and could have been a polarizing candidate. But uh, since Sunday, and, and things didn't work out with a piece I was putting together, uh, Ausmus pulled out. So I was like, all right, let's take a step back here. Let's see how things transpire so that I could give the podcast the freshest content and and the ability to be relevant for more than just 24 hours. And and I think after yesterday. Uh, you know, we have an idea of where this thing is going. It's it's basically down. It was it's been down to six, but it looks like it's four candidates for the job. It's Joe McEwing, it's Kevin Long, Mickey Callaway, and then the surprising managerial candidate is Manny Acta, somebody that you may remember for his time as a third base coach of the Mets uh, in Washington and Cleveland, and that's a bit of a surprise uh, so far. So. That's where the Mets are at. Uh, I'll have Paul Lebowitz. Actually, I had a chance to catch up with Paul late last night to get his thoughts. If you remember, Paul's been on the show, FanRagSports.com. FanRag has actually been really putting together some great content uh, over the last couple of years. Paul's been part of it. Uh, You can check him out on Twitter, at Prince underscore of underscore NY on Twitter. A lot of opinions, always uh, strong opinions, interesting take on baseball, so... If you're uh, if you're on Twitter and I'm sure you are, go there, follow Paul, and he'll and you'll hear that in just a couple of minutes as I get his take on the managerial candidates. But really, uh, that's the big news, and you really can't sit here. I can at least, and and, and I, even those like a Mike Puma of the New York Post who's done most of the reporting when it comes to this search and and really has done a nice job getting out in front of it. You can't really sit here and say, hey, this guy I prefer over that guy because you really don't know any of these people. You don't know Mickey Calloway, the pitching coach for the Indians. Kevin Long's been with the Mets. He's been with the Yankees many, many years. But do you really know who Kevin Long is other than he's the hitting coach and has done a nice job with guys like Curtis Granderson and Daniel Murphy and, and players like that? Joe McEwing, you know him as a player. You don't know him as a coach. And Manny Act has been here, and the only thing you do know and he's who's left as a, in terms of uh, managerial experience uh, is that he went to Washington, had a tough time there in a rebuilding situation, and went to Cleveland when they were rebuilding. And there are and, and the concern really with an actor is twofold. But one, uh, you've heard and I've read that one of the issues he had, and he was pretty open about it. And this was an article uh, upon his return to Washington as a as a coach for the Seattle Mariners that he had some trouble communicating with players when he managed. That, this has nothing to do with the rebuilding situation. And if you remember those Washington Nationals teams with 2008, 2009, they had Elijah Dukes, Lasting's Millage. Uh, they had some tough characters, uh, not high, not a high-character team. Guys, I think, and, and Acta had said it, that um, really didn't uh, – they were there, and they were, they were being taken on by the Nationals with some talent, and they had failed in other organizations because of their makeup. And and that's a tough situation. Same thing in Cleveland. Uh, I think that that was also the case. Then Mike Puma re- writes yesterday that a source tells him that, you know, Acta doesn't handle controversy well. Well, look, at the end of the day, uh, I keep going back, and I'll repeat it again, because maybe you're listening to this for the first time. You've got to manage a bullpen. If anything you've seen this postseason is you've seen managers like A.J. Hinch, specifically in New York, uh, for the Astros, do a really bad job of managing the bullpen, managing when to take the starter out it's not a rocket science but it's also not easy and sometimes i think there's a lot of overthinking um, or a lot of industry group think on that if you can't manage a bullpen you know all the other stuff doesn't matter 
You need to be able to handle the clubhouse. You need need to be able to handle the media and the media. And I, and I, like I said, I was actually listening to Howie Rose on WOR on Friday. That uh, one of the reasons he liked Terry Collins and Howie, I respect a lot. He's been in the business a long time. He pioneered in a lot of ways the talk radio format with WFAN and how he had the Mets extra format and and how he used to go after Davey Johnson. I mean, nobody young remembers how Howie used to on those pre or post game interviews. Howie would go after Davey. Those were not snooze fest. Those were not uh, like they are today with Wayne Randazzo and Terry Collins where you ask some questions about the lineup, you validate the manager's point of view. You, it basically, you're giving the manager a, a pulpit to put his take on what's going to be going on. And, and it's not really a hardcore interview, how he did a hardcore interview. You know, he said he liked Collins because uh, Collins was great to him to talk baseball with and gave access. And that's not enough. That's good for the media and for their job. That's not enough. That's not, uh, to me, a reason to give a, a manager a pass like Terry, Terry Collins did. But Terry handled the media. Terry did a phenomenal job of managing the media. Uh, and then you obviously have the clubhouse and Terry's big strategy with the clubhouse to make sure that it kept, he kept it clean was to make sure he never criticized and always stuck up for his players. How he also intimated that, uh, uh, that Terry had an issue with the Latin players, namely maybe Cespedes, that Cespedes never warmed up to him. So you have those things. Uh, those are things that are going to be important. You know, Maniac, uh, uh, again, I don't know him, but he's the one that brings up some red flags knowing that he has a relationship with the organization. He, he, you know, he very well, although the rumor is Kevin Long is the favorite, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone who has strong ties or has worked for the organization that may know Fred Wilpon or Jeff, and Jeff Wilpon, and they personally like them, would be the favorite, you know, regardless of how they interview and, and how things go. So um, I am encouraged in one sense, regardless of the act, the piece of everything, that the Mets are, are looking for managers who aren't retreads. ACTA, I guess, falls in that category, so they're not completely going away from that. But originally they were going to be six, and you had names like Garen and Ventura. Uh, Chip Hale's name has come up. But I, and that's the one name, Chip Hale, that I thought they should give a, a little bit more of a look. You know, I read an article from early spring 2016 about Chip Hale, and there were a lot of things about his preparation, his intensity – uh, his passion, his energy that was talked about in the piece. And this is after Arizona, even though they had a losing record in 2015, had in some ways finished just on the 500 and had overachieved. And I know that Chip Hale finished second to Collins, or reportedly finished second to Collins, during the first round when they, they looked at interviews back in 2010 when, when Sandy Alderson took over. And I thought, yeah, he failed, but he, he sounds a little Buckshell Water-esque in that sense. But that's the kind of manager that sometimes I think, especially after the low-energy, complacent, grandpa-type you know, type of environment that Terry created, that I thought would, would be an interesting fit, and, and it doesn't look like the Mets are going to go in that direction. But again, each of these managers I'm not exposed to enough, and it doesn't really make sense at this point to dive into Chip Hale because he's not seriously – uh, being considered, it would be great. Let's get a writer. Let's go and see someone who covered him. What's he all about? You know, we did that with uh, Ventura for a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago. So that's where it's at. Uh, it'll be interesting. And here's what I, you know, you know, Alex Cora, you know, is 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 another name. Obviously, he would check off the boxes. 
uh, here. And Alex Cora, uh, who knows? Who knows about Alex Cora? Who knows uh, what he's all about? Most believe he's going to go to Boston. Uh, There's been a report, 99.9% that he's going to Boston. So it's McEwing, it's Callaway, it's Joey Cora, uh, excuse me, it's Alex Cora, it's it's uh, Manny Acta, and, uh, and on the peripheral, Garen and Chip Pale, guys like that, they're out. If, if the report is accurate, and, and the Mets have actually done a pretty good job, for the most part, at keeping this close to the vest. And that's what Sandy Alderson does. I was so shocked when Terry Collins was hired, and I know that at the time, Adam Rubin was reporting it on uh, when Adam, uh, just I think he had gone over to ESPN New York. Uh, Adam Rubin was reporting it that, that Collins was a favorite. I didn't believe it. I was like, nah, he's not, but Look what happened. And seven years later, Collins, the, the longest tenured manager in Mets history. The other big thing uh, is the Mets going from Las Vegas to Syracuse. I think that has a chance of happening in uh, 2018. That is a huge move. I it, it does make sense. I know the Mets are trying to brand their organization up New York State. You have Brooklyn. You have Binghamton now. You have Syracuse. You have three levels of baseball, rookie league, double A. Triple A, all in New York State, and uh, you can kind of build a bit of a brand. I had heard, I had talked to a, a friend who works in minor league baseball that the Syracuse Chiefs have been in real dire financial uh, straits and, and a position that uh, it wasn't surprising that they had to go out and and get some financial help. Mets pounced on that. So who knows when they're going to move? I know it's going to probably more than likely be 2019, but 2018. And uh, hopefully this one sticks. Uh, Buffalo uh, did not work out. It was at a time when Tony Bernazard was around. Uh, at the beginning, the Mets had made promises with Omar Minaya. They had put bad teams up there. They put a new uh, stadium there, uh, sponsored by Coca-Cola. And the relationship just wasn't what I think the Bisons wanted. And, and the way things are now with minor league baseball is you have these two- to four-year player development contracts, and it's like you're, you see teams moving around more often than, than you would expect. I mean, the Mets were in Norfolk for 30 years, and it's starting to stabilize a little bit because it's not probably healthy for either the minor league team or the organization every two to four years to be changing affiliations. I mean, for the minor league team and the fans, uh, obviously they're, they're, they're running it independently the big league club is is not picking up uh you know operational costs it's more about the player situation but you want to have some kind of consistency you know maybe have some uh ability as a, a fan base in that market to see who the the big league club is and who could be coming up and on the way and i think there's a benefit for a long-term partnership and consistency certainly from the big league side i'm speaking more on the minor league side maybe not as important because it's about then and now, and there's going to be a lineup, there's going to be players, there's going to be a roster, whether it's the Indians roster, the Mets roster. But uh, I know it isn't, because Buffalo wouldn't have left the Mets if they didn't feel the relationship and the synergy between big league club and minor league club would, was important. So uh, Syracuse, I think, is a, is a great spot. I think the Mets have been looking at Rochester for a while. Syracuse, Buffalo, places like that in the International League. Now you actually can get a better feel of your pitchers, your hitters, you could get players uh, from Syracuse down to New York in about an hour. It'll it'll create less issues. It's a great thing. That was one of the better pieces of news. And look, really since the end of the season, and with all the disappointment, the firing of Collins and Worth and the fact that the Mets took a, an aggressive, progressive step to clean up that managerial pitching coach situation that had gone so bad, 
the change from Vegas to Syracuse. Uh, the, the Mets are, are doing the things that need to be done that I've been saying for a while need to be done uh, to get this organization cleaned up. And, and I think the 2015 World Series, and I've said this since day one of the podcast, hit a lot of issues or made everybody overlook a lot of issues, things that have gone bad in this organization. And it started with the manager and the pitching coach. And all I hope, and I'll leave you guys with this, is we're going to go and I'm going to take a break and then we'll hear what Paul Lebowitz thinks about this whole thing. All, all, I, uh, all I hope is that the manager they hire, they hire because he's the right fit, not because he's the cheapest, not because he gets along the best with Fred Wilpon, uh, not because he's the most controllable, that, that he has the right combination of people skills, leadership, energy. And I would really question him about his ability to manage a bullpen. And, and I'm not in those interviews, and I've never sat in a, in a managerial interview for a big league job. But I think most importantly, that would be how I would look at the interview process. And uh, I guess we'll see, and we'll keep an eye out for this, and we'll see how things transpire. And, and if somebody rises to the top, if it's Kevin Long, if it's Mickey Calloway, we'll see if we get a podcast and a piece together and learn a little bit more about that individual on a deeper level for those that have covered them. So sit tight. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll have Paul Lebowitz, FanRag Sports, right after this. Hey, Mets fans, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. If you're looking for the best unbiased and independent coverage of the New York Mets, then look no further than MetsmerizedOnline.com. Metsmerized Online is the go-to place for comprehensive Mets coverage, including exclusive interviews, daily original articles, great weekly features, in-depth analysis, minor league reports, game-by-game breakdowns, and so much more. Find out why thousands of fans turn to Metsmerized Online every day to get the latest news and opinions about the Mets. Coming from an impressive staff of the most passionate fans and skilled writers ever assembled all in one place. Check it out for yourselves, Mets fans. Go to MetsmerizedOnline.com right now. That's Mets, M-E-R-I-Z-E-D, online.com, and get Metsmerized today. We're back, and uh, joining me, friend of the show, it's been a while. You can follow him on FanRag Sports, also on Twitter at Prince underscore of underscore NY. Paul Lebowitz, and uh, Paul, welcome back to the program. And for Mets fans, uh, then there were six, six candidates left, and uh, it should be an interesting, I guess, seven to ten days, maybe a little longer, but I think we're in the home stretch, and I think you're going to see the 21st manager of the Mets be named very shortly. Don't you agree? Uh, are there still six? Because uh, MLB Trade Rumors was reporting that uh, Garen and Hale are out. Yeah, I got – here's what I have. I have – and listen, again, I, I'm, this is not my knowledge. This is what they're reporting. So we got Kevin Long uh, – well, you said Garen and Act- – you know, that's right. So those guys are out. So that you got Kevin Long, Manny Acton, Mickey Calloway, Joe McEwing. You're taking out, obviously, the, uh, the other two guys uh, who were under consideration. So – you're right. You got about four um, left, and uh, I think if you put, you know, a blanket over these guys, well, I mean, they're all. No one really could say I want one over the other because you really don't know. Many act is the one that I'm actually kind of surprised is being considered. That's the one I guess that is a little bit out of left field, for lack of a better word. I get the impression that 
Acta has a good reputation inside the game, and he's not very exciting to the fans. But with every job that opens up, whether it's a sabermetric job or uh, an old older school manager job, his name comes up. And I don't think it's to fulfill the requirement of a, a minority interview. Uh, why would they just keep interviewing him if that was the case? Um, he seems to have a good reputation. He was here before. I don't know if you want to go that route, go back to the Willie Randolph days and a guy who's had uh, a couple of managerial jobs and it failed. I just don't know if that's the road you want to take. He'll come cheap if that's what they're looking for. And he'll do what he's told. Yeah, I know that all these guys, yeah, all these guys are going to be relatively in the same financial stratosphere. And the interesting thing is, and I had said six, Bob Guerin and Chip Hale are not being considered. That's correct. And Chip Hale was the one I'm a little bit surprised at. I, I was reading a little bit up about him. Now, these are old articles from early 2016 with Arizona. I mean, a guy who sounds a little bit like Buck Showalter, very prepared, intense, uh, maybe the, you know, to use the, for lack of a better word, the, the term old school. I know things didn't end well in Arizona. Maybe not all his fault. Tony La Russa, there was a lot going on there. As you can see, that team bounced back. He he's reportedly, uh, if we believe, I don't, you know, and again, who knows, because things are pretty tight-lipped around the Mets, was second to Terry Collins in the first uh, round of interviews when they did those back in 2010. Um, I was a little surprised. Garen, uh, not as much, but again, you know, everybody had pegged him because he's, uh, you know, Oakland guy, and, and everyone just assumed that Sandy Olison would go with somebody that he knew, and, and, he, and he has some ties to the Mets as a bench coach. The backlash with Garen seemed to be very, very strong. And you remember when he left as a bench coach, he wanted to be closer to his family in, in California. So it might have been something that he didn't want to just turn around and leave the Dodgers to come back to New York and deal with this situation, replacing Terry and being a former coach for Terry. Um, I don't know that the front office was thinking that they could sell this. They could say, look, we've got Bob Guerin, considering the reaction they were getting. And if they were going to go down that road, what's the difference between Bob Guerin and any of these other names they're hiring? He's He didn't do particularly well with, with Oakland, and it would not be a, a sexy hire. And the Mets aren't going to go that right. route anyway, but he's not someone who is even going to draw any attention whatsoever. Right. And and I'll give Sandy Olison credit. Look, the names are creative. I mean, Kevin Long, I know he was on the staff. I would not have thought of he as somebody that they would have considered. Joe McEwing... Uh, that's an exciting name. I mean, everybody's talking about Alex Cora. And the thought is that he's probably going to go to Boston. And then, like we said, Act is the one that's out of left field, but he does have ties to the organization. And, and he does have a sketchy resume where, you know, he'd even admitted, I, I was reading something from, I guess it was earlier, uh, if not this year, maybe late last year when he went back to Washington uh, with Seattle. And he admitted that, you know, he didn't communicate that well with the players. It was a tough situation in Washington. And then he went to rebuilding situation in, in Cleveland. But, um, you know, I think this is going to come down to Long and McEwing, and I think everyone seems to think it's Kevin Long. And sometimes when that momentum and that kind of that rumor mill gets out, you have to wonder if that's the Mets trial ballooning it to see what the fans think. Uh, if he's a leader, he communicates. I mean, who the hell knows anything else about him and how he's going to handle things? But uh, he's certainly done a nice job as a hitting coach, if you could quantify that. I think at least it seems that way anyway. Every team drop. I mean, most teams drop those trial balloons to see what the reaction is going to be. But here's my problem with Kevin Long. If it's Alderson's decision and he 
interviews Kevin Long. He does all the interviews, interviews with all the candidates, and that's who he picks. Fine. If it's because the Mets are, A, afraid of him leaving, as he supposedly threatened to do if he doesn't get the managerial job, and if Long has cozied up to Jeff Wilpon, and that is somehow influencing Alderson. When Alderson signed a two-year contract, who knows how much longer he's going to be here. So obviously this manager, if they have any success at all, is going to outlast Sandy Alderson. So do you really want someone who hasn't managed in, in the minor see so he managed in the minor leagues in 1998 99 right and yeah, he's never even been a bench coach which I don't think is that big of a deal considering some of the other names that they're considering but the the dynamics are what concerns me about that and you've got a team that underachieved this year and you're going to just elevate somebody from the staff you better get a great bench coach and you better have a pitching coach who knows what he's doing it's, it's a lot to ask if they're going to go down this yeah. road of just some guy, then you might as well hire Mickey Calloway and go for the deep strike, go for somebody young, and give him an opportunity rather than just one of these retreads or somebody who's like a faceless name. And I'm not even all yeah, that enamored said... of Mickey Calloway because I'm not that into hiring a pitching coach as a manager, but considering who else they're hiring, I mean, my first choice would be Joe Girardi, but that's not happening now. So right, Yankees. As we're recording this, Yankees are are, are going to be up three games to two. And uh, I mean, I don't know if they're going to go to the World Series, but I mean, even so, waiting back. And and he, I was wondering on that note. I mean, nobody knows what's going on in Washington with Dusty Baker, and he has issues uh, as well. But any, anywhere he goes, he takes over programs that are either have been failing or have issues, and, and turns them around. Um, it doesn't sound like the Mets are going to stick around and, and wait for anybody. Now you wrote late September that the Mets need to find their Terry Francona. Uh, and that, you know, that's a manager that actually falls into the failed somewhere else, maybe not really appreciated because he was in a bad situation like he was with the Phillies. You know, what are you looking for in a manager, Paul? What, what do you feel is the right fit for the, a guy in the dugout? Or, or are you like a lot of these stack guys, you think the whole thing is overrated? I don't think the manager is overrated. I think it has to be someone who is aware of the stats but can work, can be flexible as the game moves along. And he's not making these moves just so he has an explanation to the media and to the front office if it doesn't work. So it's got to be somebody with confidence who knows what he's doing and isn't afraid to make a move against the grain to protect himself. And it also depends on the situation. I mean, Brad Osmus was kind of who I was thinking about when – I was mentioning the Francona comp, but right. he wouldn't. He's already backed out of the situation, and uh, automatically they go, "Well, nobody wants to come to the Mets." Well, that's just silly. For him, his situation kind of mirrored what happened with Bob Melvin when he took over for Lupinella with Seattle. He walked into a clubhouse from a veteran manager with a veteran team that was on the downside. And he did the best he could. He had to placate them. He had to humor them. And they never quit on him, but it didn't work. Now, with the Mets, it would probably be a similar situation that he was walking into. He was walking into a clubhouse with Terry Collins' players and a veteran core and a young pitching staff and a media that's going to be all over him and questioning why he didn't do well in Detroit. And for somebody like him, I would think – Philadelphia would be a better 
job where he can grow with them. I don't even think Boston's a good idea for him either, but he can learn his craft a little bit better than he did in Detroit. Because, I mean, it was kind of like a, a caretaker in, in Detroit, and it was a really tough situation. No, no doubt. And here's the other thing. He, well, the one thing that you and you mentioned the media. Anything I've read about Osmus is that the media bothered him a little bit in Detroit. And this has nothing to do with the Mets. I think that the Ventura turning down the Mets and Osmus, or maybe not turning them down, saying I'm not interested. They have to factor in the media in New York. And well, let's face it, the Mets media, the Mets beat was very kind to Terry Collins. But I was listening to Howie Rose on WOR late last week, and how he loved Terry, and the reason he loved Terry, whether you like Terry, Paul, you dislike, I mean, you and I have talked about him way too much over the years on Twitter and on the air. Uh, but right away he said, well, what I liked about Terry is the access he gave us, the, the way he let us in on information. He gave the, the radio guys the respect they needed to, to do their job because he let the writers leave the uh, the the office, and then he'd, he'd sit with them extra time. I mean, Terry did a phenomenal job managing the press, and it is something that you need to do in this job. And uh, I don't know if you're going to get that from anybody else because I think Terry maybe overdid it and maybe focused on it too much um, to the point where he almost he, he co-opted them. I don't think there's any question that he co-opted them, and I don't think an Osmus was going to do that. And I think they all know getting into this job the scrutiny, and also dealing with the Yankees, which is part of it, it's not for everybody. I don't think that's an indictment on the Mets at all. But you mentioned Ventura. I'm, I'm fine with laid back. I'm not fine with comatose. And a lot of times with the White Sox, it seemed like it was a very laissez-faire attitude. Like, I really don't need to be doing this. I'm just doing it to see if I like it, and I can take it or leave it. And that You cannot have that attitude in New York because that's going to be – seen right through and they're automatically going to go after you if it doesn't work because they want passion and Ventura might be a competitor he might be passionate but he's got the the laid back California attitude and a guy who just does not care one way or the other whether he's doing this job so I don't think that as good a player as he was here that was not going to work and as far as the, the media access goes I think that's up to the organization to limit it as much as possible you know, this is when you can meet with the manager. That's when he's available. And, you know, Terry may have gone overboard. And it may have been too much uh, kowtowing to the media. And if with a younger guy, the younger guy is not going to want to be dealing with the media as much as Collins did in trying to get them on his side, which he, after his other two managerial jobs didn't work, he had to do. No doubt. I have with me Paul Lebowitz. Uh, You can check him out on FanRag Sports and uh, on Twitter. Uh, Paul does some great work, Uh, does a ton of baseball stuff over there, and he has opinions about a bunch of stuff on Twitter. Let's get to uh, some other things that uh, have been talked about with the Mets, and and we haven't even gotten into the offseason, the hot stove. We're still in the postseason, but Mets fans are looking towards 2018. Uh, Starting to get some rumblings, and I know Joel Sherman, your favorite writer there, started it about – would Todd Frazier be a good fit on the Mets? Mets are going to need a third baseman unless Wright has some miraculous recovery. Uh, Frazier's numbers aren't great, but when you start to peel them a little bit, they're not terrible. And, uh, I mean, Sherman has talked about, as well as some of the other writers, about how the Mets may need a culture change. I think that starts with the manager a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you've seen Frazier in the postseason. He's had a couple of big hits. He's not bad defensively. 
What are your thoughts on Todd Frazier? How was his culture in Chicago? <laughs> what did he add there? <laughs> you know, at the end of his tenure uh-huh. in Cincinnati, what did he add there? And that stuff is a little bit overrated, especially for a, a backup or a, an extra guy like Todd Frazier. And to me, if you're looking to upgrade certain positions, I would just as soon put Wilmer Flores at third base and just tell him you're not moving from third base. You're playing third every day. That's the end of you know, independent of right. I don't think anybody's expecting anything there. You're playing once the spring training rolls around. I mean, and they see where right is, which is unlikely to be able to play. You just tell Wilmer and you're going to play third base. We're not moving you. We're not shifting you. Just keep in mind you're the third baseman, and then go get a second baseman, whether it's D. Gordon or Ian Kinsler or bringing back Neil Walker or somebody. And I prefer to do that and live with it for the year and then see what what's going on with Machado and uh, Josh Donaldson and whatever other third baseman might be available. You even I, threw out the name T.J. Rivera on Twitter. I mean, that's I think we, we his season got short-circuited because of the Tom John surgery. He's a position player. Maybe he's not back right away in spring training or the beginning of the season, but you would expect him back and, and being able to play. And, and look, that's a that's another interesting uh, name. I don't know if we we've seen the total package there yet. What he can do? He's hit everywhere he's played, um, and he has hit in the, at the big league level, although he hasn't gone around the league a lot. Uh, that's an interesting name, and, and you're right. You, you uh, have I mean, you can't pencil him in. It's not as dire. It's not as dire a situation as it. everybody works in absolute. The Yankees are the greatest thing since sliced bread. Now the Mets are hopeless. I mean, nothing is as black and white as it's made out to be, in, in my opinion. There is stuff to work with here for the next manager. I, I do believe that. They need to make some changes, but this is not the worst situation roster-wise to walk into. The first thing they have to do is stay healthy. And with T.J. Rivera, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being that extra utility guy, getting 250, 300 at-bats, moving all around. I mean... There's nothing wrong with that. And he's very streaky, so you're going to have to sit him down for stretches when he's not hitting. Guys like him, when they're not hitting and the ball's not falling in, are not going to contribute anything because he doesn't walk. And he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. So, I mean, that's where somebody like Todd Frazier could be useful, but he's not going to want to be just this extra guy playing third or first base every once in a while, or the outfield. So, even when he's not not hitting, he still walks and he hits home runs. I mean, it's a thought but I'm not going to commit to Todd Frazier unless it's for one year. And to me, I would like to see what Wilma Flores does if he plays 150 games, because he's going to eventually bulk up and be one of those guys who just starts hooking balls around the left field foul pole in his 35 home runs. Whether it's here or somewhere else is a, is a question. His defense, though, Paul, and, and I've seen it, and a lot of it is footwork. I think his best position is first base. And... You know, I wonder because Dominic Smith is certainly not a shoe in to be on the roster, <coughs> and I, I, and I mean, I don't want to judge him on 170 plate appearances or whatever he had. There was a lot of red flags with Dominic Smith. Now he's young; he's going to have a chance to learn and grow and, and what have you. But if you're going to contend next year, I'm not sure that you're going to want to go with both Rosario and Smith at those positions. I think Flores at first base. Uh, I don't know about you; it's not to me that's his position. But I feel much better about him in the field. Uh, than I do up the middle, or at, I think third base is his worst. Shortstop's his worst position, and that side of the field is he's pretty bad on both ends. I think he, like you said, it's his footwork, and a lot of the errors he made were throwing. He is, the balls he can get to, he catches mostly, but he 
he seems to stop concentrating and he doesn't step and throw, and the ball just the ball sails on him away from the first baseman. Now he's he's okay at first base. I mean, you could live with him there, but you have this first round pick who showed a little bit more power than we expected, and he seemed a little nervous, a little shaky even defensively. But that's something if he has a, a naturally good glove, which he seemed to have the uh, reputation of, then he'll be okay. Uh, you have to give the kid a chance. I mean, he's a first-round pick, and he was—he wasn't considering the situation. He was okay. D. Gordon, D. Gordon, you mentioned that name. I'm conflicted on that. Uh, I don't know what he's going to cost in terms of prospects. I think if you're picking up fifty million dollars from the the now Derek Jeter Marlins, you probably could get away with not giving up the most talent because you are taking salary off their hands. The guy who's going to get you 200 hits if he plays every day, steals 50, 60 bases, uh, hit you know 280 to 300. Uh, and again, I don't know if this is because of the home run craze and how they measure this, but when you look at him in terms of like a, a you know a league average player, he's actually a below league average player. Even the years he's hit 300, um, defensively he's okay. He's actually more than okay. He's won a Gold Glove. I don't know. It's, I'm kind of hot and cold on D Gordon. He's one of those guys that. You know, he doesn't hit the ball extremely hard all the time. He's not going to make you – you're not going to get exit below out of him, right, Paul? So that that's the thing, you know. From a process standpoint, there's a lot of things that you're not going to like about D. Gordon. But at the end of the day, he adds an element, and I think you pointed it out on Twitter with these games in the postseason. Uh, once your offense gets shut down and power is all you have, you can't manufacture anything. You got yourself a problem, and, and that would be solved somewhat with D. Gordon at the top of the lineup. I mean, if we're going to get into exit velocity and the advanced stats, his uh, BR war. <laughs> it up. Come on. <laughs> well, his BR war has been 2.4 in his last year with the Dodgers, 4.9 in 2015, 0. 0.8 in 2016 was a down year, and and he was suspended, and 3.1 in 2017. And you know, he's a Gold Glove defender. He's somebody you can stick at the top of the lineup. Uh, he doesn't walk, which you know Sandy's not going to like, but he doesn't strike out. And if he's going to come in and steal 60 bases and play great defense at second base, hey, that's fine with me. And, I mean, I don't know what Jeter's thinking over there. I don't know if he's going to give him away just to get them, get rid of the salary and what his feelings are about trading with the Mets. So that's another issue you have to consider. Is he going to want to be Derek Jeter makes trade with the Mets and helps the Mets? You don't know, but I. it wouldn't cost a, a significant number of prospects to get him if you're taking the entire salary. And this is something you need. They don't have any – they haven't had focused on defense in a very long time. And right there, if Rosario, you know, loses that, like, cultish clumsiness he has, you got a very good uh, up-the-middle defense right there if, if Lagaris is playing. A lot of speed. You know, that is an interesting, and that's a great point you just made. You go back to, and I don't know if they'd hit uh, Rosario second, probably lower down in the order. But, uh, I mean, the one thing you saw out of Rosario, uh, he's got a lot of potential. You saw that with the bat. He actually thought he handled himself pretty well with the bat. He does space out in the field, and some of that could be nerves. Some of that could be just experience. And it was basically. I think he's just too quick for for his own good. Yeah, that that could be very well. Um, you know, the time I think will solve that. Reyes had the same problem. Wright had that problem earlier in their career too. So it's not uncommon for a young player. And he's got, but he's got speed. And if you get that up the middle defense, 
at, at, a, at a place with those kind of guys. Even Ian Kinsler, I don't watch him every day. Maybe he's lost a step, but he's a pretty good defensive player, steady at the very least. Uh, I think you see a big difference in the staff. Um, you know, even in the bullpen, if you bring in you know, a guy like Chad Bradford, a ground ball guy, I, what bothers me about the league is that everybody wants to put in rockhead pitchers who throw 95-plus miles an hour, and it's straight, and everyone gets excited about it. But these guys can't get anybody out. All I heard is how great this Davinsky guy is from Jonah Carey all year, uh, the Astros, uh, because he had all these strikeouts. I thought he looked, he looked terrible, and I know it's a small sample, but you know, you look at that with some defense, with, with some little things that are getting overlooked in – uh, this modern era of baseball, all of a sudden you got yourself, uh, you know, a different look, a different feel, and, and a team that's better able to compete over the long haul. When you abandon the roles for the relievers, they're not going to know when they're coming into pitch. They're not going to know what the situation is when they're going to be needed. So, yeah, I kind of understand using the best reliever for the best particular circumstance, but. These are young guys who are not going to complain, but you're just taking them and sticking them. Okay, you're going to pitch here, and he's going to pitch then. And it's like, when, when, okay, when do I start getting ready? When do I start thinking about it? When do I start getting loose? And I don't know what the Astros' problem with uh, Luke Gregerson is, but with a 4 nothing lead, you, don't bring a, you could bring a veteran in just to hold the game at four runs instead of just First of all, I wouldn't have started the inning with McCullers because once you start thinking about taking the pitcher out, take him out. And they gave the home run that opened the opened the door. And the Astros, like you said, they have all these guys that throw 100 miles an hour, and their bullpen really isn't very good. I mean, I don't trust Ken Giles. I didn't I didn't like that trade when they no. made it. He's been he's Not been mostly reliable, but no. it's just the, their bullpen is. It may have blown the series for them. Yeah, no, and they're, now they're in dire straits. You surprised about the Yankees? I mean, look, they got a really good bullpen. That always translates well. Um, I think the starting pitching has been so much better than we could have expected. They've scored just enough runs. And, and what's funny is we keep hearing about how Yankee Stadium is back, but did they not win a World Series in this stadium? Am I missing something? I, 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 I know it's been kind of uh, down in terms of the apathy over the last few years, but when you have boring veteran teams that aren't really built to go anywhere, they're basically in the middle, mediocre, not bad, not good. That'll do it for you. It's, it's funny. All of a sudden, I, I guess 2009 didn't happen. I guess you and I imagined that. If only. Uh, <laughs> right. They created this. They made the stadium very, very unfriendly to the rank-and-file fan. And the ones that are there, they're in the bleachers. And you see the video clips on, on Twitter of them really acting, you know, Badly, but the fans that are closest to the field, they're this corporate, they've made this cold corporate, you know, mausoleum, basically. And, I mean, I don't know if a lot of these fans that are coming to the games now are buying the tickets, you know, on from third-party sites to get to go to the game. But the people you're going to see during the season are these people who just got the tickets and, you know, let's go to the game. And they're kind of half interested and they want to go sit in the bar and they want to get the free food and all, and all that stuff. But, um, you know, back to whether they're a good team or not, the Yankees are a good team. I mean, they this idea, though, that they're this, this unheralded group, this little engine that could. I said this the other day. I mean, come on now. You're not you're not a little engine that could when you're in a two hundred million dollar payroll at season start. And a couple of people pointed out, well, they still had A Rod's contract on the books. Yes, yeah, so this 
the the starting lineup was loaded with guys who were either top prospects or had a history of being, you know, legit star players. So, and the they margin had the money to compete. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, the margin of error. The margin of error with them. They have a larger margin of error when you have that oh. kind of uh, a player on the roster. I don't know if the American League is really all that good as we make it out there. That's what I, I was think, thinking. You look I at think the, the Dodgers are a lot better. And I don't think the Dodgers are great. I think the Dodgers have that, that it factor. I hate to mm-hmm. use that, but that's kind of what I see. Um, I think the Dodgers are a lot better than anybody I've seen in the American League. Uh, even the Nationals. The Nationals, and they, you know, they had their issues, but... Um, you know, I mean, maybe we've overrated the American League. Maybe the Indians weren't all as good as we thought. I think the Astros, I've been thoroughly unimpressed. I actually, I wasn't all that impressed with them when the Mets went into Houston and played them, even though they got swept. Um, when you maybe play the way they play. Hmm? When you yeah, play the no, way they right, play, yeah. it's either if you're going to get shut down, they don't have. They have a couple guys who can run. Altuve can run. But they don't really use the stolen base to manufacture any runs. It's always we're going to hit home runs. And their hitting coach, who used to be here, is uh, Dave Hudgens. If you don't think you can hit a home run, don't swing at it. I mean, okay, they've cut their strikeouts down. But when they're not hitting home runs, they're running into this Yankees bullpen who they can't they can't seem to touch. How are you scoring? It's just the way they build that team, it's not built to win these type of games where you have to just find a way to win. And the Yankees do have uh, guys who hit home runs, and they have a couple guys who can run. And they're very versatile. But you look at the rest of the American League after the Indians and, uh, you know, the Red Sox. Look at the teams that were fighting for the wild card. None of them were particularly good. I mean, the Twins got the second wild card. The Twins, they're not good. They lost no, 100 games a no. year ago, and it was almost a borderline miracle and parody that got them to the 85 wins. They didn't expect it. They didn't believe it. And I kind of get the idea they would have preferred not to have gotten to that point and gotten everyone's hopes up as they're trying to re- – they're rebuilding the organization from bottom to top. This didn't help them all that much. No, not not at all. So before I let you go, what's your prediction? Who will the next Mets manager be? Um, you have your, uh, you know, you have your, your thoughts on anybody. Is there anybody you prefer? I mean, what? Now that we kind of gone through the whole thing, what is you know out of those that we believe to be actually serious contenders, where do you see this ending up? I was resistant to it, but now looking at the candidates and the guys are dropping out, I would say just go for it with Mickey Calloway and see what happens. Because you yeah. never know. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. might he might walk in, and he might just really wow them with the interview, and say, you know what? He's young. He's he, and the most important thing for the Mets is those pitchers. So, if he can handle a vanilla offense and just run the offense and leave it be, and have a, a veteran bench coach who does not want to manage again, and a pitching coach who's on the same thought process with him, it can work. Because the key to this team is those pitchers. I mean, Paul, if you can't manage the staff and manage the bullpen, I just don't think you can manage a big league club anymore. It's just so important. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. But And it's amazing how many bad, how much bad bullpen. You, you brought it up with, uh, with A.J. Hinch. And I don't know if it's AJ Botch. You know, group thing. Uh, yeah, I just, don't, I, just don't, I just don't get how many managers don't get their bullpen. They're with these guys all the time. 
And um, I don't know if it's paint by numbers, if it's if it's you know afraid to be criticized. Uh, maybe you and I, just from a media perspective, we're putting too much power in the media for them to you know scare these guys into not wanting to be second guessed. There's just a lot. If you can't manage a bullpen, you're seeing it right before your eyes. You really lose a lot of value, even if you are good with the media, even if you are are good at communicating and leading the clubhouse. You you know, a bad bullpen, a bad blown save could take out the air out of a series, whether it be the playoffs or the regular season. How many times is a, a blown save, a really gut-wrenching blown save? I think there's a carryover effect, especially in the postseason, but even the regular season. A lot of that sometimes has to do with the way a manager you know, botches the whole decision-making process. See, we don't know what's going on inside the clubhouse a lot of times, so it sure. becomes hard to criticize every move that's made. Because if, Absolutely. say, there's a day you wanted to use uh, – Addison Reed, and his shoulder was a little tender, but you don't want to tell anybody about that. So what do you do? Right. You come up with an excuse that, you know, you don't believe, they don't buy, it's, it's, it makes no sense, but it's better to do that and take the hit for the player and protect him sure. than it is to say exactly what's going on. That's right. And I think Terry was guilty of that a lot of times, and he wasn't very good at it, like, you know, fending it off. Uh, right. There are guys who are very good at that. I mean, Girardi's pretty good at it. Yeah, Francona's great at it. So that's a big part of, of managing today. And, you know, you don't know with Callaway. I've never even heard him speak. But sitting next to Francona and his reputation as a pitching coach, maybe that'll get through and they can deal with the growing pains of a manager who's never managed before, which, I mean, I've said repeatedly, I want someone who's done the job before, but considering the names they're looking at, you know, obviously they're going to pick someone who either has very little managerial experience or, or none managerial at all. experience without right. a great deal of success. Right, absolutely. So what do you got coming up at FanRag Sports? Uh, what, give it a little teaser to the listeners. Um, I will be wrapping on the, the Dodgers' perspective whenever this thing ends, uh, whether it's tonight or after game five or whenever. I mean, if the Cubs manage to pull off a miracle, but... That's uh, what's up. Your favorite Upcoming manager, and... Joe Madden, with with your favorite manager, Joe Madden. Anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> if you follow Paul you know, on Twitter at Prince underscore of underscore NY, you'll you'll know what I mean. It 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 really does amaze me though that the things that you know we discussed on Twitter when the Cubs hired him and gave him all that money. And that... I like Joe Madden, but the more I see of him, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought that. Madden was the Mets were crazy not to go after him. I, oh. I'm not. I have not been impressed at all. Look, since he's been, he's with a the good Cubs. manager. He's also a relentless self promoter. And the things he says, it's like everything is about him. And I just kind of get the idea a lot of the players are sick of it. And this whole the the outfits and all this like the this stuff that you have to deal with with him. And I don't know why the Cubs gave him that kind of contract anyway. Where was he going? I don't think he gets bullpen I mean, management. I think he's actually pretty bad at it. I mean, I think he kind of, from a culture standpoint, has a short shelf life. I think I could see. Look, he's you know, anybody who's praised by the media, like he has been, is going to get full of themselves at some point. Uh, but I think he's his, done a very. Bad, I think in the in the national series, he did a bad job managing the bullpen, uh, letting you know Bryce Harper ago, against the righty. You know. Well, I've got. <laughs> You see, this is the point. They keep saying how good uh, Carl Edwards was against lefties. Yeah, how many of those lefties are Bryce Harper? 
It's like just this I random never, stat. Unless it's my close in the eighth or ninth inning, and I know this is hard, I would never allow myself to be beat by Bryce Harper in the late innings, eighth or, eighth or ninth, unless it's my closer, without going over to lefty. If I'm the Mets, I always go Jerry Blevins, Bryce Harper. Uh, you know, if it's your closer, then you got to swallow that. But even then, you know, who says you hey, have to uh, Collins play pulled, by uh, Collins yeah, put Josh, Josh Hedgen, Hedgen in. He pulled Familia early in the season. That's what I would do. Every time that guy's up in a big spot, I'd go lefty, lefty. Doesn't mean I'm always going to be successful. He's got a great eye. The percentage odds that he's going to make an out are much higher, and and I was amazed at that. But Madden, Madden's transgressions yeah. a year ago, had he cost them the World Series, that was far more worthy of a firing than anything Grady Little did. Because he yeah. almost single-handedly blew that World Series. Hmm? Would have been would have been interesting if they did lose that World Series. What would have happened? They're not going to fire him. They're, they're not. Probably not. Probably not. No, I agree with you on that. I agree. With if, that. if for no other Paul, reason than he's got that giant contract. Right. Right. Paul, it's been a pleasure, man. We got to do this mm-hmm. more often. What was the last time about All Star Break? Um, and uh, you take the Twitter. You take the Twitter banter to the airwaves. It always is. Uh, <laughs> it is always fun. <laughs> we gotta. We gotta do it again, my friend. Mm-hmm. All righty. Paul Lebowitz, Paul, thanks a lot, man. Have a great night. All right, Mike. All right, Paul Lebowitz, Prince of New York on Twitter, at uh, Prince underscore of underscore NY, fanragsports.com, so good stuff. want to thank everybody for tuning in here. Um, hope you enjoyed it. As I said in the open, I'm going to continue to keep an eye on this managerial race, so to speak. I'm actually glad we waited I was going to do a spot on Sunday, and like I said in the open, things got a little thrown off. And, um, you know, I wound up pushing it till today. I had a chance to talk to Paul. And I'm glad because I was going to focus more on Brad Ausmus, and sure enough, within 24 hours, that would have been a stale segment. So getting into the middle of the week, I'm going to keep my eye out as to what the, uh, you know, how this horse race goes and where it's going and, as news transpires, but uh, right now I think we, we kind of have a feel of, you know, down to four. It was six. Looks like it's going to be four. I got to get my math straight. Like I said to Paul, I, 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 I counted wrong. I was counting Garen and Hale, which is, is unfair. They were not seriously considered. But anyway, I thought it was a fun segment. Always get a chance to catch up with Paul and, uh, and have some fun. So hope everybody enjoyed it. But, um, of course, I want to thank Paul Lebowitz. You can check him out, like I said, on Twitter, at Prince underscore of underscore uh, NY. Check them out at FanRagSports.com. Of course, I, you can check me out at our partners over there at MetsmerizeOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If I'm not on one, let me know. I'll try to get there. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your uh, day, and I will uh, speak to you soon. Take care.
brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 